0: Good morning. morning. Try it again. Good morning. Everybody that was uh, going on vacation, I hope you feel good. Because I saved this message just for you. <laughs> I'm teasing. I uh, wanted to start this last week, but I really did want to be able to make sure we had it on our uh, live streaming and all that kind of stuff. And because I really think this is a message that all of us. Attention to. I'm gonna hand this thing to you, Mark, because that's gonna bug the living daylights out of me if I leave it right there. Thank you, buddy. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask you to turn your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. We're gonna start talking this morning. We may finish it today. We may have to carry it over to the next Sunday, but I want to talk about avoiding the dark side of anger. And yes, it's kind of a play. On the idea behind the whole star wars thing you know if you're a star wars fan at all you know that the dark side is not the right side <laughs> the dark side is the wrong side you know now a lot of the star wars fans that like darth vader i'm sure they would be ready to argue with me okay but uh, let's face it in christianity the dark side is not the right side amen, amen. Uh, we associate darkness with evil and so therefore we know that god is love god is light as a matter of fact john chapter one talks about the fact that concerning Jesus Christ, in him was life, and the life was a light of man. Now, he is our light. He even tells us that because we are in him, we live in him, move in him, have our being in him, that we are light. Who are we a light to? Wow, I really expected a faster answer than that. Who are we light to, world? Yeah, we're light to the world. At least we should be, okay? But oftentimes, like Jesus told the story about you don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, I think sometimes, anybody remember Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas story? Oh, yeah. Remember the ghost that he takes the big cone and puts it over the top of her head and puts her out? She was just all bright and light and everything. Boy, as soon as he hit her with that cone. Okay, that. Stop putting the cone over top of God's light. Amen? Yeah. Wow. You know, you're God's light. You're supposed to be shining before the world. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, how many of you have ever... Now, I want you to be honest with me. I don't want you to try to hide behind a facade here. I don't want you to hide behind the possibility of embarrassment or whatever the case may be. Now, if you really don't want to raise your hand, that's between you and God. How many of you have ever found yourself angry with God? Thank you, (laughs) because I know I have. There's been times I literally have had those kind of conversations with God where I'm like in his face. Now, I don't mean disrespectful. Yeah. It's one thing to be disrespectful. You're my kid, and you come shouting in my face, and you're disrespectful for you're shouting. Trust me, it's going to turn out a whole lot different than if you come to me shouting, but you're still holding some respect. Amen? Amen. My kids are 38 and 33 now, so I've been at it for a while. All right? My little grandson, 10 years old. Already at 10 years old, you know how old he thinks he is? He must think he's about 32. There's some days that he thinks he's boss, and i got to remind him, no, Grandpa's boss right now, son, (laughs) or Grammy's boss, or Mom and Daddy's boss. You're not boss. Now, what happens when we want to be boss and we don't get to be boss? What usually happens to us? We get angry because we want our way. But all of us, if we're really honest, all of us have been angry with God over something. Now, nine times out of ten, it has to do with some kind of loss. Loss of a very special situation in your life, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, whatever. Okay? Here's another question. How many of you have ever had anger rise up within yourself against another person? Duh. (laughs) I mean, come on, we ought to raise our hands and feet on that question, you know? But here's the third question. How many of you have ever been angry with the person that you stare at in the mirror every day? Oh yeah. I have said this before and I'll say it again right now. There is more more times than there is not that if I could step out of my body and stand beside myself, I would open up a can of whoop what in a minute, hello? Because I would whoop me from my head to my toes. If you're listening, say me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to grab me by collar sometime and just slap me to my brain rattles. Hello? Because I get mad at me. I get angry at myself. We shouldn't make any mistake about it. Anger is a problem that all of us have to deal with from time to time. Sometimes we deal with it more often than others. But if you're like me and you came from a background where anger You know, in my house where I was raised, anger was just being loud. Nobody really, now, my earlier years when the man who passed seed to bring me into existence was there, yes, we were beaten within an inch of our life. That changed before I was five, okay? We got taken out of there. My grandparents started raising us. My granddaddy was a good man, but he had his own, and I say it this way just this is the way I mean it, okay? He was dealing with his own demons, and I don't mean he was demon-possessed, all right? But he was dealing with his own problems. And while he was a good man with a good heart, you've got to realize he was 38 years old when he became a grandfather because of me. <laughs> when your 15-year-old daughter shows up at home prayer, yep. Been there, done you got a whole different kind of anger you're going to have to deal with. Hello? So he tried. He really did, and I know he did. he had his own physical situations, he had his own mental situations, he was dealing with his own demons. But boy, it got loud around our house. That that, that whole beating thing within an inch of our life, that was over. That was over way back when. But boy, it would get loud. Now, I'm going to be honest with you when I say this, and I mean this in the truest sense of the term. I'm sweating like a stuck pig bleeds right now, I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) I got a wipe here for a minute. Give me a minute. Hang on. I'll be right back. Granddaddy would get so loud and so angry at us sometimes that there was times I wish he'd just grabbed me and smacked me a couple of times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just got there. Because sometimes the loudness and, and the anger, la- angry loudness was worse than the smacking. <laughs> now, if you're paying attention, say, I'm, I'm hearing you. Yeah, you know I mean? I'm here. Because, see, that's kind of the whole point I want to make here. This thing that we dealt with in our day and time, envy and strife, the, the market, the way we see it, this liberalism versus conservatism, conserv, you know, whatever, Republicans and Democrats and blah, 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 blah. I've gotten to the point with my newsfeed on Facebook that I have told so many things to go away that I've got very little left on my newsfeed anymore. My next step, you want to know the honest to God truth, my next step is I'm just going to get off Facebook altogether. Because I'm so cotton-picked and tired of everybody and their stupid and measly angry mouths, it's not Amen. even funny. Just flat out ticks me off sometimes. Oh, excuse me, I get angry. Why? Because other people are angry. Isn't it amazing, Don, how anger amongst one will stir anger in another. Yeah. And that's why it becomes a problem. And so if we allow ourselves to hang out with anger, guess what we're gonna be? We're going to be angry. If we feed our anger, we're going to continue to be angry. But is all anger ungodly? And that's what we really want to be able to differentiate between the two over the next uh, week or so. Okay. Um, James 3.16 says this. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, whole lot of Greek here, if you want to look at it, for where envy or jealousy and and contentious strife, which the Greek says is provocation, wherever that is, there is confusion. Listen to what the Greek says that is. Instability, disorder, tumult, uproar, clamor, and every evil, and the Greek says every foul, wicked work. Now, in a nutshell version, the Amplified Bible reads it this way. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry with selfish and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. The ramifications attached to this are incredible. For instance, let's say that you're giving uh, within your tithes and offerings, okay? This is where you've heard me say it before. It's not just passing the bucket to put something in it. It's worship. When you give your tithe or your offering to God, that's literally, according to the word of God, part of your worship. Why? Does it belong to him to start with? Yes. Isn't it amazing to think about the fact that in reality, 100% of our bank account actually belongs to him. You know how we know that? Because we belong to him. (laughs) And if he owns me, He owns everything I've got. But I do good sometimes. Now, I don't have this problem anymore, haven't for a long time. So I'm trying to say this without being mean sounding about it. But it's it's like trying to get blood out of a turnip sometimes to get some folks to obey the word of God in their giving. Reach it, come on. Nine times out of fear, the reason you don't give, one of two, actually one of three reasons. One, you're afraid. You're afraid to let go of your money because you think you need that money for something else. Two, you're ignorant. <laughs> I didn't say you're stupid. Now, there is a stupid side to this. We'll talk about that in a second. But you're ignorant. How can you be ignorant and give it? Because you don't understand what the Word of God says when it comes to your. And what does the word of God say? Number one, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Yeah. yeah. If you don't give to God, the Bible says you're robbing God. Yeah. But if you do give to God, the New Testament says that it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give back in your bosom. Now, I am not your evangelistic television prosperity pastor. Y'all know that. <laughs> I do not teach you that God expects you to roll out the red carpet and have your limousine waiting out front and all your golden whatever shoes and glass slippers and all that kind of stuff ready to go. No, sir. Do I believe God wants you blessed? Yes. I got people right here in this little congregation that over the years have said to me, Pastor, since I started giving, my life has changed. Amen. Now, it's amazing what can take place, but see, let's not get off of what we're trying to talk about here. If I am giving in accordance with the Word of God, I'm giving my ten percent in tithe, and you understand where we get that—the tithe itself in the Hebrew literally shows that percentage mark. Okay, isn't it amazing that God owns us one hundred percent, yet He only expects ten percent of what we have back? Now, we've taught over the years that all that means is money. Where if you rob me, Malachi three says, and tithe is an offering. But you've got to remember, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the tithe was your first fruits. And for them, in that day, it wasn't a bank account. It was part of a cornfield, part of a grapevine they had somewhere, part of this, part of that, whatever. They would give 10% of what they had to God. So in reality, then, when you think about it that way, God's saying to you, I need 10% of what allows you to be who you are. Now, isn't it amazing that the same God that says he owns us says he only expects us to hand him 10% back. See, but there's where we run into the problem. He's not just asking for 10%. Because he says, we are going to be robbing? In tithes, there's a 10%. And offerings. You haven't learned to give an offering until you've first been obedient on a regular basis on your tithe. Amen. But see, let's say that you're that character that has it all figured out. And you're giving your flat out 10%. You're giving offerings left and right. You're blessing people, man. You ain't hanging on to your money. You're being a blessing. But you're as angry as an old snake in the middle of a hot desert day the better majority of the time. You know what? Your tithe and your offering is not going to benefit you one contradicting thing. You know why? Because your ungodly anger is going to be a blockade on the blessing of God that you've actually made a way for, but now you've stopped it with something as simple as anger. And no matter how much you give, your anger is opening the way to loss and lack. Now, you may need healing in your body, and so you're applying the Word of God in that area by learning and quoting scriptures on healing on a regular basis. Isaiah 53 and so forth. 1 Peter 2 there's a number of different scriptures we could talk about. But you're quoting all the right scriptures, yet you still find, in the midst of your believing for healing, you still find that inside your heart, inside yourself, there's turmoil there. There's discord there. There's someone somewhere in your life that you've just not forgiven. I remember saying to my mom one time about. Now, y'all know me well enough. We've got some folks who never heard me talk before, so it's hard to tell what you think of me before you get out of here today. But uh, here's the bottom line. I looked at my mama one time, and she said this. She said, well, i have forgiven you, daddy. And I said, well, no, you ain't forgiving my daddy because I don't have one. I wasn't very old, probably in my mid-20s or so when I said it to her. She said, well, you're right about that. See, because that's why I called him the man who passed seed agreement into existence. She said, well, then you've never forgiven him. No, I forget. I have no ill heart, ill feelings in my heart towards him whatsoever. I haven't for years. But see, if I would have had the same attitude that she had when she said to me these words next, she said, well, I've forgiven him, but I'll never forget him. You know what you're really saying when you say that? You haven't really forgiven. Right. You're still harboring ill feelings. You're still hanging on to your hurt and your pain and your anger. And that hurt and that anger mixed together is the perfect concoction to block the healing that God wants to allow in your life. You can memorize and shout those healing scriptures all day and night, but if you let your anger completely do what it wants to do in your life, then you completely negate all of those Bible quoting efforts, and you'll likely find that the sickness and disease are not only still there, but a lot of times they begin to get worse. In fact, it makes no difference what area of life you're trying to deal with and have faith toward. If you're ignoring and not dealing with the anger that is in your heart, then you simply will not succeed. Spiritually, mm-hmm. and it's important that we see this. Can you see then why it's so important to deal with and be done with your anger? Now, here's what you might think. So, does this mean that I have to become completely passive? <laughs> Y'all know what that means, right? Oh yeah. Anybody ever heard where they got somebody that's in a situation and they medically, uh, medicinally begin to uh, do what's called dumb them down? You ever heard that? What that means is when you dumb someone down, you're calming them. To the point, in most cases, that they literally become almost like a zombie. So, am I telling you, you need to become a zombie? No. And walk around like. Everybody says, You angry? Huh? <laughs> you upset? What? You still mad about that situation? Why? Huh? See? They smack you in the jaw and you just look at them like, huh? huh, huh. huh? I'm not telling you to go there. I'm not telling you you should be that way. That's passive. What about this? Are you telling me I should never show any negative emotions whatsoever? And see, I'm not telling you that. There is an appropriate use of anger. Now, if we misunderstand this and decide that we're just never going to be angry again, no matter what, then we're going to arrive a whole different reason to not succeed if we allow too much passivity then we might as well order a t-shirt that says to the devil and his cohorts hey devil come and get me because I'm easy let's see we don't need that shirt in our life amen you know why we don't need that shirt in our life because nine times out of ten it's already tattooed on our back come and get me devil I'm easy every person who when they give their testimony talks about nothing but how bad it's been that week and how much the devil has been after them, has never begun to understand what it means to truly worship and honor God. Because all you're doing when you talk about your bad situation and your problem is giving glory to the one who has given you your bad situation and your problem. See, the devil will take that little bitty nth of an inch that you give him and he'll go how far? One mile. Oh, he'll go way more than one mile. He'll go for the rest of your life if you let him. Because see, Satan is constantly looking for an easy target. It's kind of like in the human life when you're in public. You got people out there that are watching you. Okay? You got folks when you're at the mall or wherever it may be, they're watching people. The reason they're watching people is they're looking for somebody. The person they're looking for... It's the one who's going to be easy, the one that they think is weak, the one that they think that when they go to them and decide to try to uh, turn their situation around and not for the good, that it's going to be an easy target. If you walk around in public with your head down and you just look weak, trust me, somebody out there is going to be seeing that. You walk around in public, you ought to be paying attention to what's around you. You say, well, what are you trying to teach us now? I'm just trying to teach you reality. We live in a world that is full of evil. We live in a world where people are looking for opportunities and they're not good opportunities that they're looking for. See, what I portray to that person when I'm in public is gonna let them decide whether or not they wanna mess with me or not. Now, does that mean that I get me another kind of T-shirt that says, don't mess with me because I'm bad. Huh? No, I don't need that either. What I do need is confidence and understanding that I'm aware there's a problem waiting to happen, but I'm prepared to do what I need to do to handle it. Those same people that are looking for weak people when they see you walking, when they see you walking strong, they see you walking straight, they see you looking around paying attention, they're not going to mess with you. Because they don't know whether you're going to be able to take care of it or not. They don't necessarily want to find out. They're looking for somebody easy. Again, why are you telling us this, Pastor? Because that's exactly what the devil does. Every time you get to sniffing, and snotting, and crying around about your bad situation, and how you wish this would change and that would change, the devil just looks at you as an easy target. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says in the book of James that we should confess our faults to one another. But if we pay attention to that in the proper report, we understand that it says to one another, one at a time. Nowadays, on Facebook and other social media uh, formats, people get on there and talk about every dang thing that's going wrong in their life. And how bad it is. And how they got this going on and that going on. Let me tell you something. Every time you start talking about your bad situation, the devil gives give you something else to talk about. Amen. Yep. Why? Because you're easy. <laughs> well, let's say, though, you got the other thing figured out. You walk calm. You walk strong. You've got them scriptures memorized. Devil, I'm more than a conqueror. But then on the other side of the coin, you're angry. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. And you've never settled it yet. You know the devil's not dumb enough to not know that that's going on in your life. And every time you say, I'm I'm more than a conqueror, the devil goes, yeah, right. See, because he realizes that as long as you allow this darkness to exist in your heart, he has a way in to your life. Now we may laugh a little bit about that thing with the shirt and the tattoo. Hopefully it helps you understand that there's actually a purpose for godly anger. Sometimes we refer to it, and you may have heard it this way, righteous indignation. Now tell me something. Have you ever seen a brand new little innocent, you know, uh, baby kitten or a baby dog or a pup or whatever? They get born, they get through the first step, you know, and they start getting to where they're kind of scampering around a little bit especially cats. Cats are more famous for this than dogs for whatever reason. But if you get, like, That's say, fair. four, five, six cats in the same little area, little big kittens, and you start taking something, and you start, you know, jangling it in front of them or whatever, everyone in them little big kittens, they'll get their eyes on it. And when they do, their ears go, bing! And as soon as you move it, it'll go, Phew. you can watch them little big eyeballs in them heads just the whole time. Every you take, whole time in the mirrors, bing! Why did that take place? Why did the mirrors go, bing? Why is it when you're in the middle of the woods and a deer that didn't smell you before you got there suddenly hears the twig break, still hadn't smelled you, but he knows something's wrong immediately. Have you ever watched them? Them little deer's ears, bing! Now if he sees you, gets ready to run, watch for that tail, boy. (laughs) I was told years ago that that was a good sign because that white tail meant white flag. <laughs> there's trouble over here. There's trouble over here. Mm-hmm. But even those animals have got sense enough to know that something is not right. And so they literally perk their ears up to the situation. Now tell me, was that instilled into them by God himself? Do you suddenly uh act a certain way when you hear a noise, let's talk about nighttime, when all the men are supposed to be the king of the house, and you're laying there, it's all quiet, everything's right, all's well in the world, but all of a sudden you hear a noise. What was that? I don't know. Well, you better go check. Oh, it's probably nothing. Well, you better go check anyway. I don't want to go check. You go check. <laughs> What happened there, Mr. King? What if it sounded like somebody might be downstairs? How come you didn't jump up and go down there and check on it, huh? When you heard it, what do you think the first thing in your mind would have been? <laughs> Bing! There's a problem here. Am I right? Was that instilled in you by God? Was it? Yep. It was, wasn't it? Some of the world calls it, uh, what is it uh, they refer to? I had it and I've lost it. The fight and flight syndrome, is what they refer to it as. All right? The human body is tuned to the fact that it knows that there's a problem. So now that we know that there's some things that are just instilled in us by God himself, let me ask you this. Was anger put in you by Almighty God? Now be careful how you answer because that's where we need to go for a little bit here. This is why I say I there we're going to carry this over into next week and maybe get into a third week. If you think that anger comes only from the devil, you need to begin to rethink your situation. If our temple, a temple, if our temple, well, this is our temple, right? If our temper came from the devil, then that means that the devil would have to be able to do something. What do you think it would be? What? Say it again. Wouldn't be no good. Well, it wouldn't be no good. Well, what would the devil have to do if he gave you something? You take it back. No, no, no. What would the devil have to do if he gave you something? Okay, let me help you with this. Are we Baptist? Do we like to eat? Does anybody like banana pudding? Yes. No. Sandy makes some really good banana pudding. I know some of the others have in here make good banana pudding, too. Everybody and the brother here knows that I like good banana pudding, right? I don't make banana pudding. My wife don't make banana pudding. Make so if I want some banana pudding, somebody's got to make me some nanner pudding. Hello? <laughs> now, if you make me some nanner pudding, what does that mean you have to do? You've got to create it. You've got to put it together. You have to form it you have to have all the right ingredients and you have to know exactly what you're doing and you have to take something from something that was not and turn it into something that is and there is only one person who can do that Amen. and it is not the devil Amen. only God creates you know what the devil does he counterfeits he counterfeits he's not a creator He takes what God has already created and he tries to turn it into something that it is not now let's look again at our opening text Ephesians 4 26 27 be angry and sin not let not the Sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil this New Testament direction concerning anger is actually a two-sided coin the first side is the one we know best That being that we should never allow ourselves to go to bed angry with another, we should work it out, we should forgive. Gentlemen, if you had an argument with your wife earlier in the day, and it's now time for bed, you really shouldn't just lay there fuming over the fact that she never really said to you, I I love you. Because I got news for you, fellas. When the woman starts the argument, and you just finally get to the point where you realize, well, she wins. Your night's going to turn out fairly decent, hello? (coughs) But if the woman starts the argument and then you try to add to the argument with the fact of how you're right, and oh, God forbid, she's wrong. (laughs) woo! Lord, how mercy, talk about a Ric Flair moment, hello? (coughs) You might as well get ready. You're in for a fight. Mm -hmm. And here's what happens. Husband's over here thinking to himself, wrong. Now you ain't saying that out loud because you've done learned at least by that point that you probably need to just keep it to yourself All right. But you're still fuming and she's laying there the whole time saying, when is he ever going to figure out that he is wrong and I am right? (laughs) (laughs) Have you settled the issue? No. No. What has to take place to settle that issue? Compromise. Now ladies get ready because I'm going to smack you right in the head right now. Okay. The only way you settle that issue is both of you admit that you were, you're going to have a Fonzie moment here. You were, rrr, rrr, rrr. you were, rrr, 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 rrr. you were, you were, wrong. Because when you don't allow the opportunity to forgive, You're allowing just the opposite. Rebellion to the very thing that God gave you. Did God forgive you? Does he forgive you daily? Does he forgive you multiple times daily? As a matter of fact, you know what? His forgiveness is so wonderful and so vast that he's forgiven us before we ever even mess up. His forgiveness, the Bible says, exists from before time until the end of time itself and then beyond. His forgiveness has already been paid for. By what? By the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And any time I don't allow the wonderful thing that took place when that blood was shed, when I don't allow that forgiveness to be exercised in my heart and in my life, I'm allowing just the opposite. I'm allowing rebellion to exist in my heart and my life. Am I angry? Yes. Am I angry in an ungodly way in that fact? Yes. See, there is ungodly anger and there is godly anger. Right now we're talking about ungodly anger. Now notice again what those verses say. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't lay there thinking that when you wake up the next morning, it's all going to be okay. Because nine times out of ten, you just pick up where you left off the next morning. That's right. Swallow your pride. Isn't it amazing that right in the middle of those letters, P-R-D-E, is I. I am right in the middle of pride when I choose to stay angry and not forgive. And I'm choosing to let the sun go down upon my wrath. And this verse says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So there is the one side where we should uh, never allow ourselves to go to bed angry with another. We should work it out. We should forgive. But the other side of the coin is there is an anger, a spiritual rage, if you will, that should be constantly burning within us 24 hours a day, And this should be the ongoing side of ongoing anger, which is openly proven, by the way, in verse 27. Look at what it says again. Neither give place to the devil. And you say, well, that means that if I go to bed angry and I don't uh, seek forgiveness, that's where I'm giving place to the devil, in part. But where else are you giving place to the devil? is when you allow the devil to run roughshod in your life and you never do anything about it. You know, sometimes it takes an attitude towards sin. There's a meme going all over Facebook right now that talks about that if it was sin 10,000 years ago, it's sin now. Hmm? If it was sin yesterday, it's sin today. And the Bible says that for the Christian, for the believer, that sin is for a man to know to do right when he does it not. And laying there in that bed before the sun goes down, so to speak, even though it's already set, you ain't gone to sleep yet. You're about ready to let the sun go down on your wrath and you realize that's not the right thing to do. And when you just go to sleep and let it lay, you just sin. And when you wake up the next morning, you start your next day in sin. You say, yeah, brother, but the Bible says that all have sinned to come short of the glory of it. Yes, that's true. And we all sin on a regular basis, don't we? Hmm? Some of us, every time we open our mouth, just about. We about sin. Hmm? But how does this angry thing against the devil work? Let me ask you a question. If you really were facing a situation where in the middle of the night you realize there really was someone in your house, that's not supposed to be there. and Your life is now being threatened. Do you think that you're going to take a nonchalant attitude? Well, shucks, fella. How you doing? Good to have you. We got some ham and turkey in the refrigerator. Would you like a sandwich? Huh? You going to do that? Hey, we got some uh, sweets back here in that cabinet back here if you'd like to have a honey bun or an oatmeal cookie or something. You going to do that? Why don't you let me run to your warm bath? You can go in here and relax for a while. I even got some scented candles, I'll put back there for you. You gonna do that? What are you gonna do? How many of you gonna grab your baseball bat? Huh? That's usually the tool with a lot of folks, right? How many of you gonna grab the other thing It's not a baseball bat? Might have a wooden end down here, but it's got a metal thing up at the other end, huh? How many of you gonna grab that? Yeah? <laughs> dare I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. How many of you going to shoot first and ask questions later? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Why are you reacting that way? Because you're protecting your family. Are you angry that this man has broken into your home? Are you? Do you think you're right in your anger? And see, the answer is yes. Well, I thought I was supposed to forgive Well, you can forgive him later. Right now you need to take care of the situation. <laughs> when you come up to me and you're trying to whoop up on me and I don't try to whoop back up on you, guess what? I'm just a whooping bag. Hello? But if I fight to protect myself, I don't have to stand there the whole time I'm fighting you to protect myself saying out loud, I'm sorry, brother. <coughs> I'm sorry, brother. <coughs> I'm sorry, brother. Whatever. Huh? If I got to apologize to you with every punch, man, guess what? I ain't going to get many thrown. He goes <laughs> right in the middle of my, I'm sorry, brother, you're going to come back at me and you're going to take me out. He said, Well, you're just not making sense this morning. I'm making perfect sense if you'll pay close attention. Right. Because we're talking about two sides of anger. That ungodly side of anger, we need to learn to do away with. That anger doesn't belong in our lives. But that anger against the devil, God put that anger in you just like he has that anger in himself. You think God's happy with the devil? Huh? No, Jesus said, I saw Satan cast from heaven like lightning. How fast did God deal with Satan when he realized he was in rebellion and was trying to take over his throne? 186,000. Now, there's two schools, by the way. 186,000 miles per second and 186,200 miles per second. I don't think the 200 miles extra is going to make you or break you. But that's how fast God dealt with sin. Hey God I'm going to take your Hey God I'm going to raise myself above your (laughs) And it was even faster than that Why? Because you don't want to deal With God's wrath Mm -hmm. Does he have wrath? Mm -hmm. Will he exercise that wrath again someday? Mm -hmm. Yes he will Is he your creator? Does the Bible say you're created in his image and after his likeness? If he is a God that has wrath, don't you understand that he placed some of that same wrath in you? The mistake that we've made in our lives as Christians is we've allowed the devil to come in and counterfeit that wrath, counterfeit that anger, and tell us we should be using it against each other. Even in churches this morning. You've got denominations against other denominations all over because they believe certain parts of the Bible in a different way. You know what? Last time I checked, there's one main part of the Bible you better believe, and that's Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, that he died for you, period, and God raised him from the dead, what's the Bible say will happen if you believe it? And you confess it, you'll be saved. Amen. Now, I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian, whatever the case may be, any person on the face of this earth that says, God, I've sinned, and I need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me. You know what the beautiful thing is? Is he's already forgiven you, but you need to accept that forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me. Okay, I have. All right, now, Lord, I ask you to cleanse me. All right, I have. Now, Lord, I say, because see, right here is the important part. It closes with, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. If I'm wasting my confession about how angry I am at this person and that person and another person. That's why last year, uh, not last year, but in 2016, I got myself in major trouble on Facebook. Because I turned into one major bad old timey redneck. I said things on Facebook that year that I shouldn't have said. I went directions I shouldn't have gone. And I lost a ton of people that were actually my friends and a lot of them face to face. You know what I decided to do this time around? Because you know we're at the step down for 2020 that we were at for then. Okay? It's, it's already started all over again. If I waste my time I'll waste my confession saying nothing but how angry I am about this, how angry I am about that. There's only one direction I need to take my anger, friends. I need to apply it against the devil. Amen. I need to apply it against the things of sin. I need to apply it not against people. The Bible says that your battle is not in flesh, but it's in Powers and principalities. Prince of the powers of the air. Who is that by the way? There he is again. Satan. Your battle is not a fleshly battle. Your battle is a spiritual battle. Your anger was never meant for the flesh. Your anger was meant for the spirit. Because in your godly anger. In your righteous indignation. You can take and make your stand against the devil, and you can stand strong. Having stood, stand therefore. What's it say to put on? The armor. Do you think I'm going to put on all that armor and take that shield and that sword and run down here to the grocery store to go shopping? Is that what I do? Where are you going with all that armor you got on there, Brother Tracy? What's a cool looking sword you got? Man, where'd you get that shield? Where are you going? I'm going shopping. Where are you going shopping at? I'm going down here at the grocery store. You mean to tell me you're dressing like that to go shopping? No. Where am I normally headed when I'm dressed that way? I'm going into battle. But here's the beautiful thing. The Bible says that the battle is not mine. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. What is the fight that I fight? I fight the good fight of faith. And where is my faith? According to Hebrews 11, 6, my faith is simply in the fact that God is. And if I understand that God is, I also understand then that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And if I seek Him and not revenge, if I seek God and not the settlement to an issue that I don't like, if I seek Him, guess what I'll find? I'll find Him. You shall seek me and find me when you seek for me or search for me with all your heart. That's what he says. But if I take my anger and I make it about man or I make it about a woman or I make it about a child or I make it about this, that, or the other thing, everything about what it's not supposed to be about, that anger will consume me. That anger will do me in. That anger will rob me of the blessings of God in my life. Listen and say, amen. 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 Six minutes after 12. We'll cut it off right there. Let me see where I'm at. So I remember. One, two, three. And no, I know where I'm at. Bow <laughs> oh, your yes. close your eyes, please. You know, Lord, It'd be nice if, and I've said this before, Lord, I know that. But I'm saying it again regardless. It'd be nice if it was just a switch. We could flip. Maybe you should have put it on our backs. And we could have just flipped each other's switches. Or we could just keep that switch on. Joy and happiness and goodness. And all your wondrous glory. But you know, Lord, it doesn't work that way, does it? We have days where literally as far as this world is concerned, it's gloom, despair, and agony on me. But boy, it's that deep darkness, depression, and that excessive, excessive, evil, dark agony that we have to deal with. We waller in it. We shouldn't stay there. Even if we don't react in our anger physically or even verbally, we often keep it contained within ourselves. We hate that person silently, secretly. And when we do, we've become our worst enemy. At that point, we can no longer blame it on the devil. He's one, and we allow him to. Oh, I hear what's stirring in some of those hearts right now, Father, just like you do. Sometimes we have that attitude of, yeah, well, you just don't understand. You just don't know what I've been through. Well, I may not, friend, but God does. And I can promise you this. No one took your son. No one took your sinless, spotless son. And despised him and rejected him and beat him. Until literally there was hardly any way to understand if he was human or not. No one took your son. And nailed him to a cross. No one took your son. They did God's. And He allowed it. When Jesus prayed that prayer, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He knew what he was saying. He knew that he was literally surrendering himself to the darkness. Thank God he did that, so we wouldn't have. So, Father, I pray that you'll help us to see more clearly than ever before that if we truly believe your word that says in you we live and move and have our being, then we'll also believe that we are the light of the world because your light is within us and your light dispels darkness and we don't have to dwell Help us in the next week or two, Father God, to begin to see the reality of ungodly anger versus the reality of righteous indignation. Help us to be able to learn how to not only differentiate between the two, but how to exercise the right thing. Let us be the blessing that you've created us to And Lord, I'm not saying this morning that we're expecting just all wonder and glory and peace and never have another problem. We're going to have problems as long as we're here. But Lord, our attitude toward the situation can change. Our attitude toward life can change. We've proven that, unfortunately, in the wrong way so many times. Help us to begin to prove that it can change in the right way. And that we can do what is right. We can do what is God. We can love like you love and forgive like you forgive. More importantly, we can live like you live. We can pick up our cross daily and follow you. Help us to do this. Heads bowed, eyes fall. Looking, nobody else is. Boy, this is just one of those things where as soon as I put it up and started running the ads on it, people started responding. Because all of us have this in our life. And I know that. This whole anger situation. And all of us have different avenues of this anger. But I want you to be honest with me this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed as I ask you this question. If there is a particular situation in your your life that you've tried to deal with, you've really, really, really asked God to help you deal with it. But it just seems like every time you get to the point where it's almost licked, something else happens, and it just rears its ugly head right in front of you. And it's just like it starts all over again. If you're experiencing that in your life, Would you just be honest with me? I'm the only one with it. Would you just raise your hand and show me that real quickly? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. All over the room. A whole lot of you. Y'all look back up here at me, please. Boy, you're not alone. (laughs) I mean, you're really not. You're not alone. I'm not just saying that from the preacher's perspective. You know? You know? Yeah, God's there. God's never going to leave us nor forsake us. I'm not not even talking about that part. I mean, you should have seen how many hands just went up. Because we all deal with it. But if you want to change your future, now what do I mean by that? You know, y'all know physically I've been through a lot of stuff. Seems like the older I get, the more often it happens. I've been through a lot here the past few months and in the past month in particular a lot of y'all don't understand the physical pain that I've been in you know when you're in so much pain that you just can't sleep life gets real ugly real quick (laughs) and for the past month that's the way it's been and it's, it's made life very hard, it's made not just being a pastor very hard it's made being a Christian very hard it's made being a husband very hard It's made being a father and a grandfather very hard. It's made being a friend very hard. Because when you're in pain and you're tired, a lot of times the last thing you want to do is be there for somebody else. But here's a promise I want to make to you. And then I'll tell you what happened. If we will learn stop glorifying our situation and instead reach out to others in the midst of our situation you'll be amazed at what God will do Thursday night at 10.04 before I laid down to go to sleep I knew I had to be up before 4 o'clock Friday morning because I had to be at the radio station by 5.15. And it takes me a little while to get ready to go. Tonight, I hope it takes you that, a little little bit of time to get ready that early in the morning. Hello. I woke up well before the alarm ever went off. I hadn't slept good the night before. Off and on, you know, whatever. Now, for the past month almost, every time I'd turn over in bed, I'd, I'd wake up because I felt like somebody was just running swords through me. And by the time I got ready to go to bed Thursday night, Betty said, are you all right? And I said, no, I'm not. She said, were you going to go in in the morning? I said, I don't know right now. So I laid there in my bed, and I decided to type something on the Facebook. Here's the good part about Facebook. It's not my diary. I don't keep a diary Facebook is sure not my diary. If I did keep one, it wouldn't be Facebook. Hello? One of the good things about Facebook is it kind of helps me practice James and confessing my faults. See, that word faults is not just about weakness. That word false is about what's bothering me at the time, what's hurting me. And I was in great pain more so than I've been even the better part of this month previous and so I wrote this little bitty ditty on Facebook and at the end of it I said the question is will we trust God and all I was referring to was the fact that we all have hurts, pains and, and so forth but the bottom line question is will we trust God and as soon as I finished writing it I hit send or whatever it says and I set my phone down, I turned over, and apparently I went to sleep. Slept okay for about an hour and a half, woke up, went to the bathroom. When I first got up, I was like, huh, didn't really pay attention. It's, it's one of the things where you kind of wake up and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm done now. And you go back like down, you don't they open your eyes, you know. I woke up again about two and a half hours later, again, I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, what is it in? So by the time I finally got to the point where I realized, well, the alarm's going off in about 40 minutes, there's no sense in laying my head back down on the building. I'll just sit up here in bed. And I usually sit there for about 10 minutes at that point just to kind of collect my thoughts. And when I did, I realized as I'm sitting there, uh, something's wrong or actually something's right. I even felt myself. And I'm What's changed? And I finally stood up. I kind of twisted a little bit. And I'm like, huh. So I got up, and, you know, finished getting up. And took me to shower and got ready to go. Got to the radio station. Man, I was feeling good. I mean, just cheerful. Normally, that early in the morning when I get to the radio station, Vern walks in, I'm like, hey. <laughs> you know, th- this past Friday morning, it was like, Yo, man, what's going on? No, 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 no. You're supposed to look at me and say, hey, <laughs> not this best friend. Now, I've had a few hurts and pains since then, nothing major. But this morning, I'm looking at you and I'm telling you that I believe really, Thursday night. I gave him my hurts and my pains. I finally just gave them to him. Because my attitude by then was, I just, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I wanted to quit everything. I didn't want a pastor. I didn't want a father. I didn't want a grandfather. I didn't want to do anything just wanted to quit because it hurts so bad. And I was so tired. This morning, I thought, boy, I'm going to be hurting because our daggone dryer at home has been giving me wreaking havoc in my life now for I don't know how many months. I've rebuilt and built that thing about half a dozen times. And of all the days, Friday here I was in a perfectly good way, not hurting one lick, feeling good about life, man ready to just say, dear God, have mercy. The only thing missing right now is somebody showing up with a catered note that says you just got $10,000, you know, whatever. (sighs) Went downstairs to turn the dryer on. Oh, it ran. I let it dry. I thought. Went down about an hour later, checked it. Clothes felt a little damp, no biggie. It happens sometimes. Turned it back on for a little while longer, went back down when I should be able to find some dry clothes. They're still damp. They're not just damp, they're cold. Guess what? Cold dryers don't dry clothes. It's messed up again. Here I go in my perfectly feel-good situation this almost 60 year old man has got to drag that goofy thing out of that tight little closet and start doing all those things and my body doesn't like to do anymore and I know for a fact that when I wake up Sunday morning now I'm going to be fit to be tired. I'm going to be sore as I can be and I'm looking at you this morning and I'm not. I don't know what God did. I don't care what God did. But I'm glad he did. Amen. What am I saying? Will we trust God? And I finally got to. Later on in that verse, in the passage, he would say, Therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. And in our vernacular, he was literally saying, Because when I'm experiencing that situation,